my, how tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. The biggest news of the summer has been announced. The Wheeling Nailers have themselves a head coach for the 2018-19 season. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode number seven of the Toolbox. I'm your host, play-by-play announcer DJ Abacella, and here's what's coming up on this week's episode. Number one, everything you need to know about our new head coach, Mark Dennehy, including an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview. After that, I'll tell you what lies ahead coming up in the month of June and in the rest of the summer. A few key dates to look ahead on your calendar to as we start to make this thing a reality and a roster going into 2018-19. Our Where Are They Now segment is actually going to feature two players with a connection to Mark Dennehy, two players that played here in Wheeling and also played for him in Merrimack, but they are no longer professional hockey players or involved in the sport. They've taken it into the real world and found some new and exciting jobs. And of course, we'll take a trip around the Kelly Cup, Calder Cup, and Stanley Cup playoffs. Leading off the toolbox is news, and on Wednesday morning, the Nailers introduced their 17th head coach in team history as Mark Dennehy comes to us after serving as the head coach at Merrimack College Division I out of the Hockey East Conference for the last 13 years. So Mark gets the chance to make the jump from the college game to the pro game. Some of the highlights during his 13 years at Merrimack, in case you didn't get a chance to read the press release on wheelingnailers.com, he helped set the school record for most wins in a season with 25, helping to turn around a program that had struggled for quite some time. And also during that season, Merrimack reached the Hockey East Championship for the first time in school history and also reaching the Division I NCAA National Tournament for the second time in school history, the only previous appearance was in 1988. Some connections for Dennehy and to the Nailers for players who played for him at Merrimack and then later went on to play professionally with the Nailers. There are actually six of them that have done it. Matt Burns, Chris Barton, Ryan Flanagan, Jordan Fox, Matt Johnson, and Adam Ross. A couple of other notable connections for Mark Dennehy as we look at the pros and one that actually the Nailers got a chance to play against this year was goaltender Colin Delia. He was with the Indy Fuel at the start of the year and the Nailers actually beat Delia but Delia went on to make his National Hockey League debut later on this season with the Chicago Blackhawks and it was one of the storylines of the season and you think well I don't remember a headline with Colin Delia. That's because he was kind of the underlying story as he he was the starting goaltender and winning goaltender in the game when the Blackhawks had to dress their emergency backup goaltender, Scott Foster, who went in and finished that game. So Delia will always have that claim to fame as his NHL debut and first ever win was backing up or was leading into the emergency backup goaltender getting the time in the limelight. So Delia was one of the goaltenders who played under Dennehy at Merrimack. Another one who's currently playing in the Kelly Cup final, which we're going to talk about later on in the program, is Joe Canada, the goaltender for the Colorado Eagles. 
So you may be thinking, okay, so we've got a guy out of the college game going to the pros. That's an interesting transition. But this is a transition that is starting to happen more and more. And I think what kind of got it started was back a few years ago when Dave Hextall, who was coaching at the University of North Dakota, made the jump from the NCAA to the NHL when he took over the reins of the Philadelphia Flyers. We've already seen it twice this summer in the NHL where they have brought in NCAA Division I coaches. One of the coaches, actually he coached against both of them last season for that matter. One was in his conference and that was David Quinn from the Boston University Terriers who just got hired by the New York Rangers. And then Jim Montgomery, who was at University of Denver, and he got hired by the Dallas Stars. This is a trend that is literally as brand new as can be. And you think about it with the college ranks, how long the coaches stay there. And this isn't just hockey. You think about some of the legendary coaches in college football, college basketball, and in the hockey world, you have guys like Jerry York, who's the all-time winningest coach in Division I history, who's still at Boston College. You have Jack Parker, who made his legacy at BU before David Quinn took over for him. And then you also have the likes of Red Berenson at the University of Michigan. So now the college hockey game is really getting into this development process, not only for the players to be able to move up to the next levels, but the coaches are not staying there forever, and they have aspirations to start making it to the next level and it's cool to be able to see it here at the ECHL level. We've seen it a little bit recently. Uh, obviously you had Clark Donatelli who was a volunteer assistant coach at Providence College for a year in 2010-11 before taking over here in Wheeling as the assistant to start 2011-12 before ultimately getting the reins as the head coach when Stan Drulia went to AHL Milwaukee later on that season. Another name who went from the college ranks to the pro was Jamie Russell, who was the assistant coach at Providence College, and he took the jump from PC to the Elmira Jackals, and he's now going to be going into his second year behind the bench for the Worcester Railers. And it doesn't just focus on college. You're having coaches come from literally everywhere. The American Hockey League made a hire this summer, the Laval Rocket, picking up Joel Bouchard. Bouchard was the head coach of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's Blanville Boisbriand Armada, so they were going the Canadian University route. But it goes even deeper than that, where you can look back to 2014-15 when the Toledo Walleye brought in Derek Lalonde, who was coming out of Green Bay in the United States Hockey League. That is also a junior league. So it's really fascinating to see. There's definitely not a direct pipeline that you can say, yep, if you're going to get a head coach, it's either going to be a head coach from this level below you or an assistant coach from your level. It's going to be all over the map. And I think with Mark here, it again continues that pipeline where college hockey has had so much success and being able to translate that into the pros. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Merrimack College, um, yeah, it's definitely not one of the big colleges that you hear about in other sports, and there's a reason for that, because with the exception of hockey, in which Merrimack is Division One, I, I mentioned earlier they play in Hockey East, the entire rest of the school plays Division Two, and that's out of North Andover, Massachusetts, is where Merrimack is located. So, 
you kind of look at how Merrimack is built and some of the challenges that Mark faced when putting the team together here, and you have to give him all sorts of credit for being able to find some of the players he did. You compare it to other sports, and you look at something, say, like Big Ten football, where you know you have your elite schools in there, your Ohio State, your Penn State, and your Michigans, where the cream of the crop, they're going to have the first pickings of that. They're going to get the top players, and then you have some of the smaller schools like Maryland and Rutgers who really have to grind and try and work towards getting the best players left for them to be able to put together a team. And this isn't to say that, you know, Merrimack was, you know, getting a lesser quality of player because certainly if you play the right way, you can have success. But they were not going to be competing with the likes of Boston College for Johnny Gaudreau, who went on to play and is currently playing with the NHL's Calgary Flames. They were not going to be competing with Boston University for Jack Eichel, who went to become a number two overall draft pick and is playing with the Buffalo Sabres. And I think that aspect of the recruiting game is really going to benefit Mark here in Wheeling because he knows how hard he had to work to get players to come to Merrimack, and I think that work ethic from him is going to be something that will benefit him here. And, of course, we are also looking at a scenario. We have a lot of help, and that's awesome to have. Our relationship with Pittsburgh and Wilkes-Barre Scranton is definitely one of the strong points here for the Nailers in terms of helping to get players here and wanting to move them up to the next levels. But similar to Merrimack, we're a small market. Merrimack's in the same conference as Boston College, Boston University, UConn, which is out of Hartford, Providence. So you're dealing with big cities just like here in Wheeling where we're battling with the Toledos, the Fort Waynes, the Cincinnati's, and even Indy, who's coming off of its first playoff appearance in team history. Uh, so very unique situation there coming out of Merrimack where, uh, like I said earlier, a Division II school for everything except for hockey in which they are Division One. And again, we will be talking with Mark Dennehy coming up in just a few minutes here on the Toolbox. So what is ahead for Mark in terms of what he's going to have to do? Well, first up, we have the protected list which comes out on Friday, June 1st, or at least that's when it's due by. The entire league will announce it coming up on Monday. First thing to realize about the protected list, don't get mesmerized by it. Literally, all the protected list does is tell you who you have negotiating rights with in the month of June. You can only put ECHL contracted players on this list, so don't be alarmed if you see guys like Riley Bourbonnet not listed because they were on AHL deals. Literally, this is just ECHL contracted players. It doesn't mean players are coming back. It doesn't mean players are going away. It's more or less a formality. The bigger dates to look at down the road in June, first off is June 16th. That's the first day in which teams can sign players for the 18-19 season, and secondly is June 30th, which is the date when teams can give qualifying offers to up to eight players if players are not signed by that date. If players are not signed or they do not receive a qualifying offer by June 30th, then they will become free agents on July 1st. 
Obviously, the news of Mark Dennehy becoming the head coach of the Nailers is our first big hockey-related news piece of the summer, and it leads to what's going to be a fun few months. There's still an assistant coach hiring down the road, and of course, we'll start to see how the roster takes shape as we start to really get into the heat of the summer and see what our team will start to look like going into the fall. Looking around the rest of the ECHL, of course, we're in the Kelly Cup final round as the Colorado Eagles and Florida Everblades have played back-to-back one-goal games. The Eagles won the series opener 3-1. Florida won game two with 30 seconds left. Colorado won game three in overtime. And you look at how Florida has cruised through the first three rounds. This is their first, I think, true test going up against Colorado in the final. And I think they're more than a test. I think that Colorado... Colorado is battle-tested after winning the championship last season. I think this is a very even matchup. They are definitely, in my opinion, the top two teams in the league. I don't think there's any other team that I could see in that conversation this year. Yeah, Fort Wayne took Colorado to seven games. They almost did it had they not blown a third-period lead in Game 7 in Colorado. But uh, these two teams, really good, and it'll be exciting to see how the rest of the series plays out. Uh, Obviously, Game 4 is a big one for Florida, but uh, they do have the buffer of 4, 5, and 7 at home, while Colorado has only one home game left in the Kelly Cup Final Series. The Calder Cup Final has not gotten underway as of yet. It will feature the best team record-wise in the AHL all year. That's the Toronto Marlies. They are your Eastern Conference champion. Of course, they're affiliated with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then out of the Western Conference, it is the Texas Stars, who are the affiliate of the Dallas Stars. Toronto breezed by Lehigh Valley in the Eastern Conference Final. Texas got pushed to six games by Rockford before prevailing. Toronto seems like they have all the glitz and glamour and should be the favorite going into it, but Texas has done a great job going through the Western Conference, particularly upsetting Tucson in the second round. Uh, It should be a great series. I do lean towards Toronto as the favorite in that, though. Stanley Cup Final, holy cow. Everything you could want and more in the first two games out in Las Vegas. The series now shifts to Washington for games three and four, and both of them have been thrilling. There have been some switches in momentum, twists and turns. Both games have had lead changes, which is great because that means that teams aren't just taking a lead and sitting back on it. Game one, of course, was the more offensive one, 6-4. to four, Defining moment in the third period. Of course, Ryan Reeves tied it on what a lot of people thought was going to be a cross-checking penalty, and then Thomas Noshik gets the game-winning goal and the empty netter for the Golden Knights. Game two, the defining moment was in the third period when Braden Holtby made the lunging stick save on Alex Tuck in the final few minutes. So a couple of very exciting moments there. I thought it was interesting to see how quiet uh, two of the top players in the series, Alex Ovechkin and James Neal, were in game one, but they both rebounded to score in game two. So that's a neat storyline to watch. And as the series shifts to Washington, really intriguing because Washington has not been anything close to a powerhouse on home ice during these playoffs where they actually had a losing record at home against Columbus and Tampa Bay obviously winning three road games in both of those series to be able to prevail but we'll see how that goes going into DC for games three and four. Vegas has been excellent on the road in the playoffs as they won all three of their series clinchers on enemy ice so certainly 
fun to be able to see how that's going to go. I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be a fun series, as it has been so far. And we'll see which city gets to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup for the first time. Before we talk to Mark Dennehy, we'll tell you about two players who used to play for him and two former Nailers. It's Where Are They Now? And we have Chris Barton, who was part of the 2011-12 and 2012-13 teams for the Nailers. He was part of that Merrimack team that went to the NCAA National Tournament in 2011. He is now a business development representative for a company in Calgary, Alberta. That's his home province. And then also Ryan Flanagan, who was part of our 2013 14 team at the beginning of that season. He's a business development manager in the greater Boston area. So good to see those two using their degrees and getting into the business world outside of hockey. Chris Barton and Ryan Flanagan, couple of Merrimack and Wheeling Naylor alums. Okay, you've heard enough talking from me. It's time to bring in this week's guest on the toolbox. It is the brand new head coach of the Wheeling Nailers, Mark Dennehy. And Mark, it's been a couple of days for you here in downtown Wheeling. Has it been a whirlwind and how much have you enjoyed it so far? Uh, both. It has been a whirlwind and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the people of Wheeling have been outstanding. Nailer Nation uh, showed up in force for the announcement. I couldn't be more humbled. Um, it's been great. And um, you know, the, the people of Wheeling have uh, been very welcoming. My wife and I uh, really felt uh, the embrace of the community and really looking forward to, uh, to start and actually ready to get going. You've talked in the couple of days you've been here, whether it's been in the media or with us behind the scenes, about how you've had players who have played here, Chris Barton, Adam Ross, Ryan Flanagan, and you've also talked to a lot of agents. So it's not like you came in here blind, but is there something in the first few days that, that maybe caught you off guard, surprised you a little bit? Um, it didn't surprise me uh, more than anything. It just kind of reinforced why um, the Wheeling Nailers are such a storied program. Uh, and it's it's it nailer hockey means something to the city of wheeling uh to have a pro team um to to have an organization that has sent players to the nhl um to have a team that has competed for uh a kelly cup championship means something to wheeling and and that's why players want to come here that's why uh, it's a destination for coaches. Um, so all I mean, just just seeing that, seeing how much it means, wheeling wheeling nailer hockey means to wheeling, um, just reinforced my decision. Before we get into the on ice information, I want to get a little bit of a background on you, where you grew up, if you have any brothers and sisters, and how ultimately hockey became a dream of yours. Yeah, well, when you're born in 1967 in Boston which was Bobby Orr's rookie year, um, dating myself a little bit, uh, you really don't have a choice as to what sport you're going to play. Um, you know, he was my idol, uh, remains my idol, um, and, and I'll argue to the death who the best hockey player of all time is, and, and it'll be Robert Gordon Orr in, in my mind. Um, and so just kind of got our start, my start in hockey that way. My dad was a printer. I used to work uh, the, 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 the night shift, and he'd, he'd, you know, when I was young, I started at two years old, he'd, uh, after getting off work, he'd take me to the local rink because uh, he was still wide awake and the ice was open, and he literally just plopped me down in the middle of the ice. First first time, I cried and then stood up, and second time, realized uh, uh, the longer I cried, the colder I was going to be, so stood up sooner, and before you knew it, I was skating. Um, 
was lucky enough to to play at uh, at the college level. Played at Boston College. Actually, Billy Garen, the assistant general manager of the Penguins, and I were teammates. Um, played for some great teams. Was not a great player, but was lucky enough to play with some great players. Never thought I'd get into coaching, and then um, one year in the real world, selling telecommunications drove me back in. Uh, Went back to get my master's in education, which I, I never got because as soon as I stepped foot on the ice at UMass for with Joe Mallon, who had recruited me to BC, um, I felt that coaching was what I was meant to do, and I've been doing it for the last 24 years. I've uh, been lucky enough to coach at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, Princeton University, Fairfield, and um, in my last 13 years were at Merrimack College. Brothers, sisters, were they involved in sports? Uh, all brothers. Um, been blessed with three daughters, but had all brothers. Uh, Michael uh, is 16 months younger, and Matthew is 10. Both hockey players, um, both good hockey players. Um, Michael went to Babson and, and uh, actually had a knee injury that precluded him from playing. Um, Matthew played at, at St. Anselm's Division Two and was captain for two years. Both still play. I mean, it's in your blood. I just remember coming home uh, to to my mom's house in Dorchester, Mass, and you know there'd be just equipment all over the porch. We had a, a screened-in porch, and that's where we air, aired out our gear. And anybody that was visiting us must have been just horrified because you walk in and the first smell is just a, a hockey locker room. So, um, and then uh, my brother Matt's expecting his first child in November. My brother Michael has has five children, um, a, a bunch of hockey players in there as well. So uh, we are a hockey family. That means that a lot of merchandise will be making its way into the Dennehy family. So yes. that's good news. Yeah, Heather went back to Boston with a couple bags full, and I was telling Matt in merchandising that uh, – He's going to see a spike in northeast sales, that's for sure. You remembered Matt's name. That's a good start. Uh, you, we mentioned uh, your wife, Heather. You have three daughters as well. Are they hockey players? They are. They are. I don't know that they necessarily initially considered themselves hockey players. They were just girls that played hockey. Um, but they've learned to love it. And trust me when I tell you, uh, having been in the game, uh, I didn't force them to play. We like our, our children to be active, so they do have to choose a sport each season um, just to keep them moving. Um, ironically, they chose hockey. Uh, my oldest daughter, Kelsey, um, she really kind of got into it in the last 18 months, made the varsity for the high school team, uh, and, and is a really – she's a good hockey player, really smart and works hard. Um, my daughter, Keelan, is, is picked up the game a little bit later, um, and, and I think she's learning to love it at the same age that Kelsey did. Caroline's the youngest. She's 10, and she plays – um, she likes it, but you know she's young. She, I don't think she's decided really what her sport of choice is. On to the coaching side of things. You spent the last 13 years at Merrimack College, which is a Division One school in Hockey East. And you look at Hockey East, and obviously there's the big powers. You went to Boston College, Boston University, the in-city schools. What were some of the challenges of working for a smaller program like Merrimack, and how did you ultimately overcome some of those to set some school records like in 2011 when you went to the national tournament? Yeah, you know, when we got there, the the program had had one win the previous season in Hockey East, and, and uh, you know, that that's you're, – you're in a little bit of a hole there because recruiting-wise, uh, you know, you've got to go out and get players um, uh, knowing that – it's going to be a while before you can build something. And it did. You know, we had a five-year plan. I think it took us six years to get where we wanted to go. Um, 
you know, there, there are a couple people that you don't do it by yourself. And, and I had some really good assistants. Darren Yopik, who is now the commissioner of the, the, the British Columbia Hockey League, was a scout for the Minnesota Wild, coached in the British Columbia Hockey League. He was the first guy I hired, brought him in, and he, he played a huge role in, in us building this. Um, a number of great assistant coaches, Curtis Carr, Glenn Stewart, uh, Phil Roy, Phil Roy, um, and uh, uh, Marty Quarters. Just Albie O'Connell was there for, for a time. Really was able to work with some really good coaches. We, you know, when you're just trying to build it, you know, you're just trying to get better player by player. You know you're not going to necessarily get the Jack Eichels off the, off the get-go. So for us it was we want to identify players from winning teams. We'd like to, to potentially get captains if we could, which is one of the reasons why we went after Chris Barton. Uh, he was played both uh, on a good team and and, uh, uh, and I think wore a letter for Camrose. Uh, we got better bit by bit. You also have to get a little lucky. Um, I think the, a big coup for us was getting Joe Canada uh, at 18 years old out of the National Development Program. He's still playing right now with Colorado there in the finals of the ECHL. Um, Carl Stollery and... Uh, and Stefan DeCosta. Those three guys were sort of a core that we built around. They're, they're part of that group that took us to the, the NCAA tournament. Um, so um, bit by bit, we, we pieced it together and, and um, really made it a, a, a very proud of, of what we were able to do at Merrimack College. Um, we took a team, a program that um, very well could have been extinguished. Very, you know, There were times while I was there uh, where they had thought about uh, canceling the program, moving it down a level, um, and I, I feel like uh, we left it in a better spot. Do you see some similarities in your job from Merrimack to here in Wheeling where you're going to have to do recruiting? And, oh, by the way, we have uh, we ourselves, we're in a division with Toledo and Cincinnati who are pretty good-sized markets similar to the Boston teams. Yeah, yes and no. I think um, uh, I see similarities because – uh, in college, you're both in the winning and losing uh, business, uh, but you're also in the development business, and and that I, I think is similar. So listen, part of development is learning how to win. Part of our job in preparing these players to move on to higher levels is is learning what it takes to win and, and learning to hate losing. Um, but it's not just about winning and losing. We're also trying to develop players. So with some of the younger guys that, that maybe Pittsburgh feels needs some, some seasoning at this level, you're going to play them um, you know, and give them an opportunity to, to show what they can do and really work on their game. Um, the difference is going to be resources. I mean, I've already been incredibly impressed with the resources here in Wheeling, how important hockey is to the town of Wheeling. Um, and, you know, and, and uh, our facilities are top notch. So along those lines, there are, are fewer obstacles. You know, we used to say at Merrimack that we got to play David to some of the other programs, Goliaths. Um, first of all, people forget that David won the fight. It wasn't the giant. It was the little guy. But uh, I don't think it's as dramatic here. I think Wheeling has a lot to offer. I think that anybody that looks at, at, at coming to Wheeling, one of the selling points is the, the mobility, the ability to go up to Wilkesbury. Um, you look at the players in Wilkesbury that have gone up to the NHL, players, coaches, um, you know, the, there's really a lot of upward mobility here, and that's both attractive to me and I think it'll be attractive to recruits. In the next few weeks to months here, you're going to put together the roster that will ultimately take the ice in October in Norfolk and then for the home opener here in November. And it's going to be obviously a roster with all sorts of different pieces, but is there an ultimate goal that you're kind of looking at, uh, maybe an identity of a Mark Dennehy type team? 
Well, we got to start with the pit, with the Penguins' way first of all, you know, and and um, want to see you know kind of their model and and uh, talk with both Clark Donatelli and and uh, and and Billy Guerin and, and Scott Young about the type of players that that they want in each of those positions. Um, you know, Clark did such a wonderful job here for four and a half years. I think there's a lot that I can learn from what he was able to do here. With that said, I'm going to add my own spin to it. And, you know, I think teams do take on the personality of their coaches. Um, I grew up in a blue-collar town. Uh, I got a I got a good sense of Wheeling as a blue-collar town, a lunch-pail town. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to – these guys are going to be expected to work hard for sure. Uh, they're going to have to compete. Uh, the game has changed so much that I think now you have to be able to play fast. Whether you're, you know, you you, you have a, a a lot of speed to your game, or you process things quickly, you're going to have to learn to play fast. Um, so compete, speed, and then I like guys with hockey sense. It's you know, there's so much chaos out there. The game moves so fast. If you can't process it quickly, then you can get lost. I'm assuming because of your roots in hockey East, we're going to be looking at a lot of college type players is that a, a safe guess or uh also going to be diving into maybe a little bit of major junior and cis well i'm more familiar with the college game for sure but i do have some contacts and uh in in the chl and and a number of of agents that that deal with chl players we want to put together the best team and i'll be i'll be honest i don't care if you're a martian um if you can help the wheeling nailers uh, achieve their goal then then uh we want to we want to entice you to come um but another part of this too is uh, and I learned this at Merrimack, it's, you know, this is a small community, and it's really important that our players fit in. And so we're going to look for good citizens as well. Good players on the ice, um, you know, ready to compete, but uh, gentlemen off the ice. What else does the summer have in store for you? Because I know you're, uh, while you're putting this team together, you're also going to be doing some pretty neat work with Team USA, Penguins organization, and obviously you got to have some personal time in there too. Yeah, it's, um, you know, this is a busy summer, and it was a busy summer before I took the job, and I'm thankful to, to Brian and Don that they understood some of the commitments I've already made. Um, uh, I was initially asked to take part in the, in the Penguins development camp before joining Wheeling, and so it'll be neat to be a part of the organization now while I'm there, so I'll do that after the draft. Um, also been named head coach for the USA Hockey Five Nations Tournament. Um, so we'll take a, a team of the best 2002 birth dates over to Slovakia in August. So I've got to spend a week in, in Buffalo in July sort of picking the team. And then uh, we'll spend 10 days in, in Europe trying to win a gold uh, against the likes of Slovakia, Czech Republic, Germany, and Switzerland. So um, that'll be fun. A lot of hockey, and it'll get me ready for coming back here in September. And still need to find a place. There's a lot to do on that front, but uh, it's all good. It's going to be an exciting summer. I know that the fans will be on the edges of their seats to see who you're going to have on the bench with you as an assistant coach. And then as this roster takes shape and we look to make a return to the Kelly Cup playoffs. Mark, thank you for everything that you've done over your first few days here in Wheeling. I know I'm thrilled to be able to work with somebody, obviously a fellow New Englander, and you're very upbeat and you're so willing to dive right in and it makes my job real easy. Well, I'll tell you what, Deej, uh, you you are great to work with already. Um, I was kidding around with you on the radio earlier calling you an almanac, but it's good to, to have someone with that, those types of mental resources so that, hey, this is new. I'm, I'm new to the pro game. I may have coached for 24 years, but uh, I, the day I stop learning is the day I, I retire. So uh, I'll be leaning on you a lot and looking forward to doing more podcasts with you. Outstanding. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks, DJ. 
It's been a busy couple of days, but also a really fun couple of days for Mark Dennehy, your head coach for the Wheeling Nailers. And thanks again to him for spending a few minutes with us today on the Toolbox. And I'm looking forward to this. I know that he has soaked in as much as he could in these few days, trying to meet as many of you fans as he could from meeting some of our corporate partners around town and the local media and just trying to really get a feel for what this city is all about and getting his team shaped up for the 2018-19 season. It's going to be a fun run, I think. I'm certainly looking forward to my time working with him. I, I can tell you I've certainly been full of smiles and laughs in the early going of this, and he definitely has a very strong mind for the game of hockey, and I'm excited to see what kind of product we will be able to put on the ice for you here in 2018-19. So that's it. That's all. That is episode number seven of the Toolbox. We'll talk to you again next week. I'm DJ Abacel saying happy hockey watching.